Hello. Good evening. Good to have you guys tonight. Good to be here. And you'll never guess where we're at. The book of Genesis, the beginning. Can you can you have the front two rows to switch? the way they're supposed to be. <laughs> oh, you're confused. That's, yeah. yeah. This doesn't seem right, you guys. Yeah. All right. I think I'll move back there and mess everybody up. All right. Well, we are in uh, what is a controversial book, a controversial chapter, all sorts of different views on Genesis. It's amazing how many different views there are on Genesis. I did not know how many different views there are. And I'm amazed, coming from the Christian angle, how many there are. And uh, so, as we look at this, we know that our approach is going to be a literal, grammatical, And historical approach. Oh, really? Other than some kind of thing like poetry or literary devices, metaphors and such, we're going to look at the way that it's supposed to be taken, the way that the rest of the Bible is to be taken, and that is called hermeneutics, which is proper interpretation. I'm going to abbreviate that. But um, Herman. Hermeneutics. Udics is his last name. Before you get started here, you didn't make it through one verse last week. You think you're going to make it through five tonight? We're going to move. And you're going to cover historical, grammatical, and literal. And we're staying till midnight tonight. Okay. That's why these guys had to change places. Oh, they're, okay, they're going to hold you yeah. guys back. Hermeneutics is um, interpreting the Bible in the sense that God wrote it, in the sense that uh, people can actually read it and make sense out of it. It's not something that is to be some kind of hidden knowledge, hidden wisdom. Well, it doesn't really mean that. If you really get deeper into it, it really means this. So particular words don't mean what they would normally be. And once we do that in Genesis 1, and that's why we're attacking it in this way, if we don't get Genesis 1 down then why should we believe the Bible in certain other areas? Because once we take an approach and go outside of our hermeneutics or rules of interpretation, then we can make it say whatever we want to make it say. And uh, these are coming from some of the great hothouses of the United States as far as seminaries are concerned. And they're teaching things other than what we would take as the historical, grammatical, literal interpretation of Scripture. And we'll get into that word day uh, tonight. <laughs> and we'll get in the word night in today. No. Can, can I say that? No. I'm sorry about that. Anyway, um, as we try to uh, tackle uh, this, really the Bible, I think, was put in as baby talk, as John Calvin has always used, in that we 
as simple people can understand what Scripture is. We don't have to go to some great high theologian that has an intellectual mind that goes above the IQ of 300 or whatever, and they say and use terms that you can't even understand what they are, and then try to understand Scripture. We're going to have to go through them. To me, that sounds like Roman Catholicism. Hmm. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this day. Thank You for this evening and this special time that we have with Your Word and Your Holy Spirit who is here to help us learn further about Your great foundation that You have put forth in this creation and and laying that kind of work down for us. And as we look at it, we can understand something that most people have so much difficulty with. And we know that You have communicated to us. You have brought forth revelation. You have revealed who You are, how You've done things. You've made it in a way that we can understand. And it's not some mystical approach that You've given us, so we have to find some kind of knowledge that is outside of our understanding naturally. Uh, We know it's supernatural revelation that You've given, and Your Holy Spirit is the one who's going to teach us. Uh, but yet it's put in um, terminology that we can still use our finite minds to understand a little bit about the infinite God who's revealed Himself. We praise You for that, Lord. Thank You for this group of people that uh, we get to fellowship with and um, come in the very presence of You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Last week we uh, did the In the Beginning and God Created... And we looked at really, I think Chris was saying there earlier, uh, to to Bill, uh, we didn't really get too much into the beginning because we looked before the beginning. And that's really what we did last week. And um, we were asking, well, how did God do this? And uh, He just spoke. That's how He did it. That's how He created. And why did God do this? And uh, I I have to think of Revelation 4.11, which is a great verse on creation that's found at the back of the book. Revelation talks about a Creator God in 4.11. And it's a great verse that says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For You created all things. And by Your will, they exist and were created. Now that's a sovereign praise, isn't it? So what you have here is he's worthy to receive glory and honor. Why does he create for his glory? And so it's just like anything else. We always come up with that automatic answer. The reason that uh, anything is anything, that God does anything, it's for his glory. And uh, he reveals that. And uh, so that is one verse in uh, Revelation 4.11. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7 And here we have, again, something dealing with creation. There's a lot of creation verses in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, Is there an extra one? We have one made for you. If, uh, I don't know, Zach's probably going to go back and and get you one made. Oh, you know what? Wait a minute, Zach. We've got one right here. There we go. Very good. 43.7. 43.7. Everyone who is called by my name 
whom I have what? Created for my glory. I have formed him, yes, I have made him. So what are we saying? Why did God create? The ultimate answer is for his glory. That's too easy, but that's really what it's all about. But then we also look at it and we finished um, that section up dealing with why did God do this. Uh, I think that is one of the most glorious aspects, at least uh, it's amazing to us. God one day said to the Son that He loved Him, that He had a perfect love for Him. And I love you so much, I want to give you a gift. And I'm going to uh, create and I'm going to redeem out of mankind a bride for you. And that bride will be brought to glory also and be clothed in righteousness and holiness forever and ever and ever and ever. And, uh, you know, when you think about that, that's incredible. You don't really hear that very much. Um, there was a 12th century writer that brought that forth. How many have you have ever seen that in a book, Why God Created? And that he wanted to give his son a love gift, that being the bride. Had anybody ever read that before? Now, you might have thought of it, or kind of indirectly, but to be honest with you, I hadn't really thought of it that much, not in that way. And uh, the reason I bring that up, John MacArthur, who wrote a great book dealing with creation, had run into this uh, 12th century writer, and he said, unfortunately, he had to go all the way back to that century to see somebody saying, I'm going to give you my love gift, this bride, because that's part of his plan, isn't it? So that's another reason why he did. So we have for his glory and also uh, through redemption, he gets to reveal his glory too. In in creation, you go out and you look and see it in all that great creation, uh, he gets glory. And then also when you look at the redemption plan of God, it's uh, just awesome. It's, it's just immense. And uh, anyway, we uh, move now into... Um, he created the heavens and the earth. We kind of got into that last week, but we're going to try to work into that again tonight, but not immediately. Because what we have to do is, okay, we're asking questions. Well, why did God create in six days? Why did He do that in six days? So we have to define the word day. And I'm sure all of you have made some kind of... Uh, study on that word day or have read some things about it. The word is yom in the Hebrew. And uh, it's interesting. First thing I'm going to start off with is a, a backward look at that. It can mean, and I'm being fair, I'd rather say it can't mean anything else but 24-hour day. It can mean something other than a 24-hour day. That's not usually the case. Matter of fact, very rarely. But I, I do want to say, it usually means a 24-hour solar day, like we know as day today. Today. Tonight. Oh, now I've got you confused. Everybody's going, what? What's he saying? I'm not sure. I just threw that one in. Okay. Go to Second Peter 3 eight. Everybody's heard of this one. Now, this is out of... This is not Yom, because uh, it's in the Greek section, the New Testament. But it's saying something about day. And everybody's familiar with this one. You've heard it many times. But I, beloved, do not forget this one thing that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. And all that Peter is doing is saying to God, 
he is not uh, limited. It's not a, a big thing to him. He's not bound by time. Okay, and that's the idea that Peter's bringing. And, and God is patient when he's going to return and um, destroy the earth the way that we know it. Uh, but he's just laying out that day. He's not saying a day literally is a thousand years like we know it, but in this sense, to, to God, that's, that's what it is. It's, he's not bound by time. Then in Psalm, back in the Old Testament, Psalm 90, verse 4, you'll get something um, that's related to that. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past and like a watch in the night. So he's saying, hey, a thousand years, it's, it's just like yesterday. It's, you know, uh, it's not uh, like a long time. To God, a thousand years is nothing. It, 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 he's not even, it's not even that to him. <laughs> he's not in time like we are. So, and that's the idea of the, of the psalm writer or, or Peter uh, when they're bringing forth the idea of yesterday or day. Uh, what we're going to do is come up with 17 reasons why we take the word day in Genesis 1 every time that we see it, and we're, it, it is to be taken normally. And we're going to have to come up with some pretty good reasons because there are a lot of people out there today from many different writers who are very well respected, great theologians, they're in great seminaries. Sometimes I have to question about that. But um, there are people that are respected. They're not some um, people out there that are off on their own little religious escapade and coming up with different new theologies. Uh, they're coming up with things that sound legitimate because the scientific realm has made discoveries that this world is billions of years old. Uh, so they say they've come up with discoveries of that. Well, why does it mean day uh, in the way that we think of it? Well, the word day is used 2,225 times in the Old Testament. Never means a long period of time. Never means a long period of time. Did you hear what I said? Never means a long period of time. We're talking like epochs, uh, millions of years. Um, if long, uh, number two, if long t- periods of time were meant, there would be a word that could be used called olam. And God, you know, is very specific. Have you noticed, like when we've studied Romans or, uh, for instance, uh, anywhere, where there is a word that is like another word, and he has to differentiate it, whether it be for children, little children. Sometimes it can mean children who are adults today, or it can mean there can be another Greek word that means a little baby, infant, child, whatever. And God will use that word. He is very specific. If it's God's word, he's going to make it very clear. I'm glad he is. And so when he uses yom, um, we can pretty well say, well, that that means a 24-hour day. Olam can mean something that goes for an extended time into the distant future or into the distant past, meaning some kind of epoch, something like that. That's two reasons. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get ahead. 
so I, I was trying to see it ahead. Um, the people who are of the old Earth theory, and the days being longer than days, even if it's a thousand years, so we get seven thousand years, there's no way we get millions. Um, are they saying that things went on in those seven days? And like I said, I don't want to get ahead because we have to talk about that doctrine of the first death, which comes, you know, later, that things would have had right. to die, either that or these cows or whatever lived millions of years while we were waiting for everything else to be formed. So is that where the old Earth theorists usually lie? Did, did they... Did they fall on that, 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 let's just say, if cows, and I don't, I don't even remember the day that the cows were created, but let's just say the cows were created on day four, I'm being a heretic, I'm just throwing that out there, that the cows lived for millions of years and none of them died? What they say, usually, is that animals died. We don't have any biblical okay. proof of that at all. Matter of fact, we'll get into that. You are ahead. Okay. So but I, no, right, you're, you're well, legitimate. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, nothing, yeah. you know, all right. But that clicks, doesn't it? Because God was good, and if it's good, there's no death. Right. Okay, so I did get ahead. Right. I didn't, I didn't mean to. No, that's okay. That's okay, because that's that should be clicking in our mind. But you can say, well, how do they get around that? And if, uh, if you uh, would ask, probably... Um, out of ten of them, at least nine of them would say, well, the animals died, of course. No. But they might say that man didn't. And we're going to use Scripture to say, no, it couldn't have been any anything other than the way that we would view it because there's other Scripture in the New Testament. Barb? Um, can, is, I mean, is it reasonable to think that the cows to someone who thinks the earth is billions of years old because, my goodness, look at all these fossils and the rocks and everything. I mean, in my mind, when God created the world, if he wanted to create it to already be a billion years old, he could do that. To make it look right. like that, to to be that way, to appear. Yeah. That's right, uh, like a tree with the, the, all the rings on it. Yeah. Uh, if you were there at that time, let's say a year later, and all of a sudden you look at that and it looks like it, it has like... 3,500 rings on it. Well, it's, it's been here 3,500 years. No, God created it that way. The same way with the light out in outer space. It was already, all of a sudden, He created it to already be there. If He can create and do all that, why can't He make that light be here? Why can't He make an, an Adam? He didn't appear as an infant, did He? Yeah, right. Exactly. I think we have biblical evidence for that, absolutely. Yeah, Bill. Is this ahead of time no, again? Just, okay. Oh, I mean, one thing, just, just uh, okay. <laughs> that was day six, by the way. Okay, stay on the on the livestock. Oh man, you're way ahead of us. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm sorry, and I'm not. I'm, yeah, I'm doing this, doing this Remember, so I, I guess where our contention will be with the old Earth theorists is really from Adam back, and the the reason why I ask that is because we have the genealogies from Adam to Noah. We have the genealogies from Noah to Abraham. We have the genealogies from Abraham to Christ. And that's however many years. It's not millions of years. But you know what they do with the genealogies? There are a lot of... I'm not saying this. I don't believe in any omissions. But they're saying there are omissions. And you can say, well, how many omissions? Well, and that's the point. Even Even if you made the generations 100 years, it's still not... 
Yeah, even if you had a hundred years here and a hundred years there, and even maybe a couple thousand years. But we're saying these people, uh, John Ankerberg, who I highly respected, would take that view. Um, uh, On James Dobson, uh, many times there has been a um, a scientist who has been on there. Some of you have probably heard of him. He would take the view that it uh, definitely extends into millions of years. Walter Kaiser, one of my favorites, one of my all-time favorite Old Testament expositors, a Jewish Christian, very sound, also takes the view of this old earth, saying there are spaces in the genealogies. So what you're getting here in the okay, first... So big spaces in the genealogies. Uh, big. Oh, millions of years. The genealogies are wrong. They're missing, right. Uh, well, they wouldn't say it's wrong. Well, these guys are Christians and say they believe in every word of the Bible is true. They're inerrantists. Paul raised their genealogy to show the connection. And if you've had gaps of that, what good is genealogy? Yeah, I know. We're going to get worked up here. Yeah. That's why we put the other Right. Okay. And I didn't mean to open up the can of worms. Okay. It's not a can of worms. Not here. We don't even have to argue. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. We can get worked up. I I got upset last night. Got on my Facebook and started ripping into you know this framework uh, theology. That okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. How many have we given so far? Two. Yeah, we only got to two. Okay. Wow. We're moving right along. All right. Did you do that, Bill? No. Okay. When day is used with a number, I want you to catch this. When day is used with a number, like on day one, all right, day two, day three, when it's used that way, I want you to catch this. This is one of the biggest ones, but they'll they'll deny this one too. But I mean always, 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 always means a 24-hour day. You look throughout the Old Testament, and every time you'll see Yom and a number with it, it never means anything else. And why would then you take Genesis 1 and then make it mean something else that it's not? There's an agenda. There's an agenda there. And that they don't want to take the Bible in this way. But yet they would say that. And they, Matter of fact, there's an institution, Westminster Seminary, which I used to think pretty highly of, don't really teach hermeneutics there. They don't really offer much in the line of hermeneutics. I've been told that from somebody who goes to a different seminary. <laughs> but uh, he knew, and, and I take his word for it. That's, uh, well, I'll say his name, Pete. <laughs> Pete uh, goes to MacArthur Seminary. And they would take a historical grammatical literal approach. Uh, Westminster, which is actually um, uh, from a Presbyterian, or not necessarily a Presbyterian, but definitely a Reformed view. Many things on uh, salvation, uh, most things we'd be absolutely in agreement with. But um, we have to differ from them incredibly here. Uh, so we get that third one. And I think that one is a, a good one to keep in mind. Here's another one. When it's used in a number series, and that means you have not only day one, we were saying a, a number with it, but when it's a series, like you have the first day and then the second day and the third day, there's a series going on there, isn't it, all the way up to seven. When it's done that way, it always means a 24-hour day. If you see that in any other kind of scripture... Uh, the non-literal view says, but seventh is in the last, uh, in the sequence. 
but I don't get this. But the the other numbers, first to sixth, are not in sequence. So they say when you get to seven, then seven actually is a literal day. And then you move from there. True well, creationist. Day was a thousand years, so then I can take off work. <laughs> well, that's what we're saying. I I can't make any sense. When you take the Bible in a non-literal view and you start, what, how can you how can you say it? Accommodating. Uh, yeah, accommodating to science, for instance, to the to the uh, yeah the world view, um, the the educated view. You don't want to look bad. Uh, you don't want to make it look like you're a stupid Christian. So you have to take in science with the Bible. Well, the Bible is going to have science in it. I think your manner of uh, instruction, Dennis, I'm going to blame you. Your manner of instruction has made us very close-minded. We are close-minded, aren't we? And I am glad, because I have to put the screen up sometimes, you know? Anything can fly in when you don't have that screen up. There you go. We're narrow here. But we have reasons why, don't we? Well, we've given four. Let's go to number five. When day is in the plural, um, 858 times a day, or uh, uh, throughout. It always means a 24-hour day. Let's look at one of them. Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. And we'll be returning to this sometime. 20.11. Dealing with the Sabbath. For in six days, and this is really where we're really hitting for, ultimately anyway, by the time we get to 17. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth. He's dealing with the Sabbath and the whole picture. It totally destroys this. But that's that's where we're heading. I'm not going to spend time on that. But in chapter 31, verse 17, uh, you'll get the same sense. You're asking the word Sabbath. Uh, well, it's it's dealing with the Sabbath, but he's he's talking about on on those six days. We're going in the plural there. When he when you have a day in the plural, the plurality days with an S. Okay, it always means a twenty four hour day. Does that make sense? Thirty one seventeen. Uh, it's a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and the seventh day He rested and was refreshed. That's that's one of them right there. You have the plurality uh, with a number. And what does it mean? 24-hour day. Um, when day is singular, it's a 24-hour day. That's number six. Number seven, evening and morning. Six is when the day when day is singular. And some of these are related to other ones. But you have days in plural. Okay, it's always 24-hour day. If you see day with with a number and such, it means a 24-hour day. Okay? So what's the plural form for day? The uh, the first word you said you did for the stolen. What would be then for multitude of days? Would that change that word or not? In the Hebrew, I don't have the plurality on that, but yeah, you'd be able to pick that up out of the Hebrew. Janice, yeah. Still didn't get number six. Six is when when the word day when you see it in in the Old Testament when it's singular, yeah. just by itself, just day. Okay, it means a twenty-four hour day. Oh. Yeah. I hate to get off that uh, 
off topic or anything, but I have a question. Why would God need to rest? Uh, he he quit his creating. I mean, there was no more creation to be done. But he's giving us a picture of later on he will give the Sabbath, which people will give a special day to God. And so in that picture, and that's what Exodus chapter 20 and 31 is about, which is really where we are heading. By the time we get to the 17th one, we'll see why he did it in six days. And then, of course, there's the rest. And, and so there is a, a model that is set up for us as humans. And, of course, he even puts that in his law. Yeah, right. There had to have been another meeting. meeting. I've never, yeah, I've never heard anybody. He completed that task. Right. And I can't say that I've ever heard anybody actually ask that question. Yeah. God can't ever get tired, you know. Right. And of course, uh, how's he creating? Well, he, he spoke, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and let there be, you know, and there it is. But he can he can never get tired. Uh, he would never have to rest because he's tired out. But the the rest is uh, again, it's related to the, the the Sabbath. I can just see that being a topic that somebody would bring up. Oh yeah. To answer the question. Yeah. God did God get tired? Uh-huh. And and I guess we'll probably have to get into the Hebrew and really work that up. Yeah, Penny. When you're saying, you know, how how God created he just spoke and it was. How'd that take twenty four hours? I mean he could have done it in twenty seconds. Well instantaneous. Yeah. I mean yeah, and he did. But the day, how long is a day? He waited a whole another 24 hours before he spoke again? Yeah, he's setting forth these days. Uh huh. Wow. Well, that's an interesting thought, though. Yeah. Was there actual substance there that had to somehow take 24 hours? Yeah. Well, and, uh, and that's good when you get into Genesis uh, 1 2. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. We'll get into that. Okay? Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Okay, evening and morning. Well, we should. It's on your outline. All right. Okay, evening and morning. Evening and morning. Six. That's... There we go. This is just making sense. God makes it understandable like He does everywhere else. Sometimes you have to dig to understand God and you dig for the rest of your life, but on on the very basis of things, it's there up front where we can see He doesn't code things, encode it to where, oh, it's a mystery. It's mystical. I have the knowledge. That's gnosis, right? That's Gnosticism. Even in the morning for the six days of creation, it's a daily uh, interchange of light and, and darkness. That's you know we've we've read the story here. We we know that that just constant. Nineteen times outside of the book of Genesis, it's when you'll have evening and morning, and they're combined together, and it's always a twenty-four hour day. You notice we're not going to all those scriptures because if we did, we'd probably spend an hour on each point that we'd be at. I'm just trying to... But if you can use some of these for one of these days, you're going to have to confront somebody or somebody's going to confront you. And if you can use a couple of these elements or so, at least to have them here, we need to be able to give the hope, you know, the defense uh, of what our hope is and what we're about, right? 
So evening and morning are never used figuratively in the Old Testament. Never. Okay, when you have a cluster of individual numerals, like day one, day two, what's that? This number eight, yeah. Um, A sequence of numbers, and then evening and morning, right? When we have different things happening there, we have numbers like day one, then you have, um, what, evening and morning, or you have the sequence that's going on. If you have something like that, it always means that this is evidence of a 24-hour day. There, there are no clear indicators here whatsoever of long ages. N- nothing that is laid out clear whatsoever. Number nine, Genesis 1.14 says, Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and for years. What's the purpose of lights in the sky? All right, They separate the day from the night. And then what else? Signs for seasons. How does it read here? And for days and years. Now they've got another problem. How do they interpret the day or days here versus the day one, day two, and all that? Well, I think they have to interpret it like anybody else would and say, oh, well, the word days there is dealing with what we have now because he gives a sign. Uh, You have a real problem when you said, okay, let them be for signs for like seasons and a sign for epics and a sign for years. Well, if if you didn't have a delineated set day, then how could you even have seasons and years? There you go. They've got a problem there, don't they? Okay. So it's not eons there. (laughs) Again, you know. Uh, Number 10, Genesis 1.16 uses day in its normal sense. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the epics, to rule the eons, to rule the day. Now, that's a 24-hour day there. They would have to admit that, oh, yeah, that's a 24-hour day. They're, they're, they're not consistent, are they? Okay, and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. Um, it's not eons. It's not millions of years. Number 11, consistency is really key when you interpret. Uh, when you interpret time uh, to the rest of Genesis. Uh, the ages of the patriarchs, right? And that's legitimate. You have ages that, that go on there. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Um, there we know that that's what that is and what that is developed. It's understood. Um, but the days of Genesis, uh, you have to take it in the sense that the way that it's set up. Um, Hebrew word in Chapter 2, verse 4 of Genesis. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Okay, now we have that, and it sounds like a 
period of time. Um, but you have the word for uh, account um, and the whole idea in I think in this thought here is that um, throughout Genesis there's a parallel of the use of the word day in chapter 1. You have parallel. Um, I'm trying to think in when you have light then later on you will have the light of the sun and the moon and the stars and that will correlate and of course the darkness uh, the same way um, and so what he's doing there's a there's a kind of a kind of a parallel as we as we get more I'm going to shape that up later I'm going it, cuz it's going to take time as we go into that um, so I won't worry about that now um, how about people will say this okay well there is light but at first we don't see the sun right there's light he says let there be light but yet there's a different day when the sun is made and that will trip people up and I don't think there's any good reason to assume the light could not have existed even before the creation of the sun because who is the light God is light himself if you go back into Genesis I mean to Revelation you see that there will be no need for the sun because God Himself is the light. So when that light was then like kind of turned on, there's no problem. Later on we're going to see the sun and then the, the, the moon and the stars be you know a, a source there. Of course, the, the, the solar system that we can think of. God is a source of light. So there's no good reason to take um, a day in a figurative sense in, in that way. Uh, even Old Testament scholars who don't believe in creation. I mean, they believe in an evolutionary process or a theistic evolution, maybe uh, combine them together. But critical Old Testament scholars, even though they don't think much of Genesis, especially chapter 1, they actually will read this and say, well, day means day. I mean, these are coming from real liberal guys. And if you were to pick this up, didn't know anything about evolution or anything, and you'd say, okay, God said let there be light, and it was light. God saw the light, and it was good. You'd be thinking, okay, here's some kind of light that's brought forth. Um, so the evening and the morning were the first day. you got you got evening and morning. You have this first day, and then it comes in where there's a second day and a third day. Uh, how are people going to read that if they just pick that up? Yeah, how do you teach kids now? You know, we how usually... Sleeps. What's that? It's how many sleeps. That's oh, how kids know a length of time. How many times they have yeah. to sleep? And that's that's like difference between night and day. Three days from now is three sleeps. That's how little kids are. So they're they're going to catch that, aren't they? What do we tell them? Well, there could have been billions of years. Can you imagine somebody, you know, sitting down with kids and saying there was billion years between the first day and the second day, and billions of years between the second? Th- you know, I mean, what do you do with that? They were thinking, so it looked like a building. There was a daytime, and then there was a nighttime, and then there was a daytime, and then there was a nighttime. You can't even with the which is going to take billions of years. That's abstract. There's no comprehension for that. Yeah. I think even a kid. Very dumb. I mean, the day thing is obvious. Why would you? I have more respect for someone who just doesn't believe any of it than someone who sits there and says, yeah. day actually means billions of years. Yeah. It's, and it's such, it's such a danger. 
because then now it's going to inflict upon the rest of the Bible. How are they going to interpret other things that don't feel comfortable with them? They're, they have license to make that say what they want. All we have to do is let God speak and don't come in with a preconceived idea, but just saying, and that's the way it would be. If we were reading to a child, a little child could understand this. Three sleeps. Three days, three nights. <laughs> um, time markers. Oh, go ahead. I'd say the, the toughest one, the toughest type of person to deal with in, from an apologetic sense in dealing with this is the person that believes it's poetic. Yep. Because they just write the whole thing off. And say, well, that's just a narrative. Yeah, it's of, a, of what happened. Yeah. You know, um, that's what I've found. And yeah, and these people are in the Christian realm. That's taught yeah. in evangelical schools. Yes, absolutely. So that's the most accepted mm-hmm. kind of theology now that's, that's coming out. Yeah. Well, like I had a professor who said that you know he showed us all of the different narrative creation narratives that come from different parts of the world, and I said, well, if it happened, like the Bible says, then wouldn't people talk about it? Like wouldn't other cultures have written about it? It would have been passed down. Of course, there's going to be other creation narratives. Yeah. yeah. Um, how about the time markers that we have? We have evening and morning. We have the separation of light from darkness. Separation of uh, light uh, by created lights. You have seasons and days and years. Uh, you're governed... Uh, uh, the governing of the sun over the day, right? And the, and the night by the moon. Look at those time markers there. A, a, a big number of different sets that are there. We say, what are we going through all this? We already know this. It's to help us defend our faith. I don't have to convince any of you because I already know what view you take. You better. No. <laughs> But you see what I mean? If we can have a handle on this to be able to at least use this as a defense and make them think, maybe they'll be challenged scripturally to start looking at it in in a way that they would go, you know what? You might have a point there. You might have another point. When you have three or four or five or six different ways, rather than maybe their little weak one, (laughs) W-E-A-K, They might, they might listen. You never know. Uh, look in Numbers 12. Here is God saying that He is not one who talks in riddles. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Numbers 12, 6 through 8. Then He said, He's talking to Moses here. Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream, right? And that's how they get God's revelation at that time. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face. Even plainly. Get that? Plainly. And not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. And when uh, Then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? There he's saying, I spoke to him directly. He saw um, something there, you know, in a sense. But he definitely heard God's words being spoken. He could understand exactly what he was to do. Well, who wrote Genesis? Who wrote the whole law? So God does not speak in riddles. 
He is not an author of confusion. And if you have this set up on some kind of a day-age thing or a framework hypothesis, which is the biggest one going now, and I'm still trying to figure out what that really means, uh, it's so difficult. But Can you give an overview of it? Uh, I, I will. Give me a few more days or years. It is very confusing. But I'll bring more of that out. I don't have much time here. But uh, yeah, that's, that is uh, a theology. We'll, we'll get just at least a brief synopsis of it, a little more on it. Why did God take six days? Well, in our remember our Exodus 20, where it deals with the Sabbath, and our Exodus 31, it was, there was a tabernacle that was set up, and it was all um, really a picture of what is to come. Um, but he was looking back at Genesis, he was looking back at creation to show that those six days that God did that, that's like setting up the week, and then the seventh day there is rest. And as he put it forth in the law, uh, this would make little sense unless there are 24-hour days. And so God took six days, I think, for a lot of reasons, but I think ultimately, why why did He do that? Why didn't He just do it on the first day and it's all there? Could He have done it? Sure. You know, in a split nanosecond. But He did it that way to give us a picture of what the week is. And today, here we are, 6,000 years or so, from that time, and guess what? We're still doing that. We're built upon that system. Now, there probably are some cultures that try to bend that and try to, because of their religion, they've come up with some other kind of creation story. But most people that I know of across the world have a, a six-day work and a one-day, or, or a seven-day week, really, I guess. Yes, Barb? Hey, if Genesis and all this stuff is undated, then how do you know that the earth is going to be 6,000 years old versus 6,000 years old? Well, that's another one I was going to cover tonight. Oh, okay. but I, um, <laughs> Sorry, I got ahead. Well, I'll tell you one reason why we can know, devil's advocate. One is, uh, when you look at the genealogies, and when you trace those up, and it's been done by many godly men, you'll never believe what they come up with. About 6,000 years or so. They, uh, young earths usually give uh, a few thousand years. I didn't say millions. I said a few thousand. It could possibly be 10,000 years old. Six, six to 10,000 is how young earth creationists, which is what we are, would um, say six to 10,000. I, I would say that those genealogies are very correct. And what if they're a hundred years off or two hundred years off? Uh, it still wouldn't necessarily mean the Bible's wrong. It'd just say, well, what if you know? There's a there's a there's a blank space here. Okay, if that be the case, I'll give you that. But you guys that come from the scientific realm are uh, differing from each other from millions to billions of years. Isn't that interesting? It used to be millions of years whenever I was in school when they were teaching evolution. Now they've gotten all the way up to billions. And by the time before we die, it'll probably be trillions. Because they're saying it just can't happen in that time, so it's, they have to keep linking it out. Don't you think that, it's, like you said, um, with a flood and everything, maybe that's where it is? 
Well, that's another sore spot. But that's that, that when you have creation, you got to talk about the flood. Mm-hmm. And, of course, five chapters later. Well, that would put for the blank spot that everybody's worried about as far as yep. getting out. You know, and we get our on. fossils and all of that right. stuff. And now we're on to something if we take the flood literally. But a lot of these guys, they have trouble with a literal flood then. How can they the local flood? Local flood. If you look and if you see things, some of the fossils we're finding that should be here, I mean, doesn't that tell you that the water would Right, like the fish, fish uh, uh, that are up on the mountains that are 10,000 feet high? Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. It was a local flood everywhere. Fish fossils. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The discussion that I've had with the players is that you couldn't get that many layers. They found Loch Ness in Kentucky. Really? Explain that one to me. They found a pregnant Loch Ness in Kentucky. It's in the middle of nowhere. That's great. 1980, Mount St. Helens, layers. Chris, did, did you know about Mount St. Helens in 1980? Yes. And you know the story on that? It's a it's a Grand Canyon there. It's a mini Grand Canyon. But the layers are there just like Grand Canyon, and those were developed like that. Sure, I agree. And I know what you're saying there. But, and, that's all, and you know what? Get a scientist... Who doesn't? Who believes in evolution? To try to talk about Mount St. Helens, they won't touch it. I wouldn't either. <laughs> I mean, if I was smart, I wouldn't. Right, right. Let's let's avoid that one. They had cold happen. Yeah, exactly. Okay. People take uh, those presuppositions. They come in here and read this. I want to tell you, in the Middle Ages, they were doing the same kind of thing, interpreting Scripture in four different ways. They said there is a literal way to take it, and that's the way that we do it, unless there is some symbolism that's involved whenever Jesus says, I am the door. We know He's not a literal door, but He is a door, and that's, that's the way you go through. And we know that that works. Or He will tell you, here's a parable. Um, you know, and he tells a parable. Well, we know that that's not really real, but it's demonstrating the reality that's behind it. So, Scripture does not speak in such a way that I don't know what that means. That's too far over my head. I, I can't get that. It's either literal, or they said it was it just has a moralistic view. That's another interpretation, or allegorical. Allegory in Galatians four says there, when it's an allegory, it'll tell you that's an allegory. Uh, and analogy, uh, analogy. Okay, Martin Luther comes along in the Reformation. Luther and the reformers emphasized the literal approach because all during the, the Roman Catholic reign, they did not take a literal view of the Bible. That's why their parishioners were not to try to read the Bible because they won't be able to understand it. Unless you're trained in our schools, you'll never be able to understand it and it'll create confusion. You can't read it. You can't study it. And they still dissuade people from reading the Bible because you might run across the idea that Mary was a sinner and then you're going to have questions. Whoa, now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about the kids uh, that Mary had besides Jesus? Okay. So, you know, okay. she's in the grave. <laughs> yeah. Well, Luther wrote this. We're talking about an intended sense, right? 
What, what did the author intend here? Luther wrote, We assert Moses spoke in the literal sense, and not allegorically or figuratively, that the words with all its creatures was created, the world with all its creatures was created in six days as the words uh, were put. Uh, so Luther used the gr- grammatical, historical, literal approach. So did the rest of the reformers. And as a whole, that's the way that they interpret um, Scripture, with a plain, literal meaning as the intended uh, sense of Scripture. If one comes to the text with a preconceived idea, then, that it's to be read as poetry, then it's not going to mean anything. It's just, that's really nice. It's a legend. It's a myth. It's a metaphor. It's figurative. So the question is not to them. What does the text say? That's what we say. That's what we do every week. What does the text say here? What, not what does Jenna, uh, Dennis say, but what does the text say? Oh yeah, what does it mean to me? Right There we go. Put that in a little Bible study with people and you'll, you have ten people in there and I'll guarantee you, you'll probably come up with at least eight different views. Well, here's what it means to me. Oh, passing the ignorance. And uh, Anyway, it's... Eisegesis is a, is a word for that. And uh, it's not dealing with Jesus Christ, but it's dealing with reading into the text. And what we want to do is read out of the text. What It's an exegesis, which is reading for what it is worth. What is it saying? What is it meaning here? Not what it means to me. So if it's anything other than a 24-hour day, then the church was deceived for... Billions of years. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Might as well say that. You can do that if you break the rules, right? But we'll say 2,000 years, right? If God didn't mean it to be 24-hour days, well, why did He use such misleading language, right? What's the theological problem? Bill, earlier you were talking about that, about death. That's a great one. Um, The issue of death. What do you deal with that? Well, they say, well, it was the animals that died, but people didn't. Romans, because they know Romans 5, and if they believe the Bible, they have to believe this, Romans 5, 12. Therefore, just as through one man, that's Adam, sin entered the world, came through Adam, it came through, it, it appeared at that time. Not before Adam, sin entered the world and death through sin. That means death wasn't here before. And thus death spread to all men. See, that's what they will say. That it was men, so before everything else died uh, because of all sin. Um, that, that's Romans 5.12. I think in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, something of the same nature... 15.21, For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. Then you have to think of Romans chapter 8. All of creation is groaning because of Adam's sin, the sin of mankind. It affected the whole world. It affected creation, all of creation, not just man itself, but everything. But you can see how they try to get around that. Uh, man was present before sin, and when... Um, Whenever he sinned, then it brought in death to everything. So Paul talks about the arrival of death. Uh, period. Whether it be man, 
plants, animals, whatever. So we believe in a historic present, uh, presentation. Uh, heavens and earth, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, to the Hebrew, it means universe. Everything. All things. Completely everything. Every little atom He created. It was all created then. Everything was done then. The heavens and the earth, anything that's out into the rest of the universe, down to the very smallest. What's the smallest thing you can do? Well, we broke the atom. Now, what is that? What's what's lower than the atom? What's 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 the smallest? Now we're going even further, right? Yeah. And God created those two. Okay, that's heavens and earth. The creation of matter. Time, space, and matter. By the way, time came in when all this came about. There wasn't time before this either. Verse 1 states a general fact. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. You know what He does from verse 2 to 31? Moses here breaks it down into sequence. Uh, let's look at day 1, and then we're going to stop. I'm going to get just enough to where we can say we started on day 1. And, and then I'll stop because we're, we're at 8 o'clock, I know. The earth was without form and void. Darkness on the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. What do you have here? Well, you have a Hebrew word. The Hebrew word means this. And it's two words, kind of like. Devastated. A waste place. Empty. That's the idea. Uh, it had is without shape. It was without form, right? There was no shape to it. He he put all the matter out there. Everything now is done. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything that's in it. All the matter is there. What he's going to do is then he's going to start taking it like a lump of clay, a potter would have a clay, and, and that lump, and then he'd start shaping it. And uh, in this sense, we're going to find out that it's, there's going to be water there over all this. It's going to be in darkness. But it doesn't have any shape, no form. It's a waste place. There's no inhabitants there. Uh, devastation, depopulation. The reason we say that, there's a gap theory out. God created, and then what happened in verse 2? It became without form and void. And they'll use the word was and replace it with the word became because in the Hebrew sometimes you can do that. But here you really can't do that. C.I. Schofield was one who kind of helped populate or get this uh, spread across. But there are many others uh, that have done it. Even even today, I, I don't think there are very many that really buy that, but uh, there are. And Anyway, uh, I cannot at all. The earth was without form. He created the matter, and now he's getting ready to put it into the way that he is designing it. Uh, it's, a, it's a waste in that um, there's no inhabitants, nothing there that he's done with it yet. And so there's no life there, is there? It's just, he's, he's, he's got what he wants. It's exactly what it means. Maybe the best way to say it would be, uh, the earth was unfinished as to its shape and unpopulated here in this second verse. There's no population. It's not finished. And uh, I think that's understandable when, uh, you know, day one started. The material is there. Uh, all of a sudden, you now have, are going to have time. You're going to have space. You're going to have matter. It's unformed. It's unpopulated. The original created elements mentioned in verse 1, um, the, the heavens and the earth, uh, matter. God creates. Didn't shape them. 
I think with that thought, then it kind of helps us say, okay, there wasn't a gap there. Some of you say, what's a gap theory? Quickly, it means it somewhere along the line, it was probably Satan or somebody that just made this beautiful thing that God made, and he came in and just smithered it into smithereens. You know, just crushed it. And he's, God had to recreate. Whatever. Anyway. There's a gap between that one, that first creation, and now he's got another creation going. That creates all sorts of problems. Oh, yeah, between verse one and two. That's the gap theory. There's a gap there between those creations. And so, anyway. Well, when you put the word became. Okay, he created it, and then then the earth became without form. It was really good, but then all of a sudden, now it it was devastated. It was a waste place. Yeah, it's, it's there's no form. I know it's incredible, isn't it? A lot of people believe that. What would that allow for an extended period of time? That is exactly right. That allows for all that time. Billions of years, and you have your death problem again. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's the only thing that really matters is the death issue. You know, when did I it happen? I explained it to to a pastor one time, and he's like looking huh? at me like I was from another planet. And so simple, you know. And I like that Romans five. Wish oh. I had that that day. Oh, it's so that's a, that's a that's a big win to claim, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Because you know when I explain the, the the death doctrine, and that's you know that's doctrine. Right? I mean that's you know because he killed the animals to cover their sin. Right. Exactly. And without that, you know. That's a sacrifice, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's the blood. The other part was yeah. in, in conversations that we've had in the past is is where is, is people talk about vertebrates and invertebrates that 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 the death of invertebrates didn't count. You know, I mean, that. well, I mean, that, that that's where, I mean, even Institute for Creation Research was like, well, we don't count invertebrates in, in that because there was there's no way to know, you know, whether they had died or passed on or whatever. So now they're bringing in the scientific well, realm. Yeah, I mean, and we agree with that yeah. there should be science, yes. but biblical science, true yes. science. Yes, the, you know, science that agrees with Scripture. Right. Instead of the other way around. And what they're doing is they're making Scripture and make it conform what to what their science is, and not true science. Yeah. We believe in Somebody true science. said to me in a meeting, they said, well, I'm sure that Adam stepped on a buck. And I'm like, yeah, Betty did, but... Yep. That's right. Well, we're at darkness. I think we'll probably stop there. Uh, try to get the light back in here next week. <laughs> um, darkness means darkness. And it means there's no created light yet. Okay? What about deep? Deep is the waters. It's the seas. And um, we'll get into that. It's a synonym for... We'll see that in another scripture where the, the deeps are used. Earth was formed out of water. There's water there. And then, uh, of course, he draws a circle over the face of the deep. Put this together. Anyway, not enough time to cover all that. Um,
but the earth was covered with water and then that's that's where we're going to deal with it there and we'll try to to get into where I, I think is really cool the spirit of God was hovering over all of this like your high aspirations of verses 1 through 5. Gave it a shot. We did get into 2. We did get into 2. Half a 2. Okay, we're not disappointed. All right. Okay, I'm sorry. That 17 thing, you know, I don't know. I hope at least one of those. If one of those can stick with you, I think you've got a lot to go on there. Uh, Scripture is really where it's at anyway. Thank you guys for coming out.